Welcome everyone to the second episode of Smack Talk with Sandu. For everyone that watched episode number one, I appreciate the feedback. Thank you for liking, subscribing, all that good stuff. As a reminder, we're available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, all the platforms. And so when I was thinking about who I wanted to speak for my next guest, it was very easy, if I'm being honest with you. It's someone that I have a really good relationship with. I haven't spoken to him in person in a very, very long time. In fact, we've, we've shared DMs and texts, but man, it's been a while since I've spoken to this guy. And without further ado, I'm going to introduce him because he's someone that is always in the news. There is so much to talk to him about. It's Liverpool's own, Liverpool's finest, Darren the Gorilla Till. Darren, mate, how are you doing? I'm very good. You know, the last time we spoke was face-to-face 2019 before my fight with Masvidal in the BT Sport Radio Tower. I do. I was actually going to bring that up. It's been that long. And yep. I, liter- I, I literally, I remember flying back. I just left for, for Canada a few months prior and I came back yep. for a couple of weeks and we had a good conversation then. And let's start there, Darren, because you've yep. been through so much since I last spoke to you. But if the Darren of today, of 2023, can and go back and speak to the Darren of January, February of, of 2019, Given what you've been through, the ups and the downs and everything, what would you say to that lad? I'd say do exactly what you do, exactly the same, because I've been through ups and downs. I've been through people who I thought were there and who, who weren't. I've been through people who, who who I thought weren't there but were there. I've, uh, I've I've really been able to scale my life on a personal and professional level, and uh, I've actually made some really stupid choices off my own back, uh, and it's actually been really eye-opening now coming into my 30s with what, what I'm about to uh, approach now in in, in the next years uh, coming. So I'd have done every, everything exactly the same. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's just a, a wild ro- roller coaster of a journey we're in. We're, we're on, especially athletes, you know, whether you're a tennis player, golfer, boxer, or, you know, MMA fighter, which seems to be one of the mo- most craziest sports out there. So I just think that uh, I've probably done it all the same. No regrets. When you say people let you down, are we talking personal life, professional life? What do you mean by that? No, just you know, not I'm not I'm not like I'm not specifying. I'm just sort of saying like, you know, sometimes in life you feel you, you, you think certain people have your back when they haven't, and you think you think certain people haven't got your back when they have. Mm. Uh, and you find all this out, you know what I mean? I'm not I'm not talking really professionally, you know. I've always had a good, solid team around me in in in, in MMA. Uh, you know, just like even personal, like you know, just sometimes you think like, say, sometimes you've got friends around you who are sort of leading you down the wrong path and stuff like that, and doing it for all their own gains. Do you know what I mean? Stuff like that. So you just you, you find a lot out about what what people are about, and you find a lot out about yourself when you're in a sport like this. You really do, and uh, you know, it's comforting to know that when you know you've got solid people around you, these sort of like you know, they, they, they keep you away from certain people's. If anything, is that a good thing to kind of have gone through that experience to give you the mindset that you have now to understand who you are as a person and who you've got around you now moving forward? I think everything I've gone through is a, 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 a good thing. I think, uh, <clears throat> I think us, us fighters like to put on a brave face for the camera and for the, for the, for the guy who's interviews and stuff like that. But, a lot goes on behind the scenes and, uh, you know, it's easy to put a smile on and a brave face, but, you know, there's a, there's a lot of shit happening behind the scenes and, uh, you know, what a lot of people don't, don't know about. So it's, uh, 
as I said to you, it's a it's a real roller coaster of a journey, and mm. I'm actually happy to be on it. Whether it's an up or a down, it's 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 a fun one. Don't get you know, it's not like we're just waking up and going through the same old. I don't want to like shit on anything, but the same old nine to five regular job each day. Mm. You know, each day in our in our life is is a roller coaster, really, you know. So yeah. Well, speaking of roller coasters, I've specifically not watched any of your interviews or read anything recently outside of the headlines. So let me know right now why you and the UFC parted ways amicably, as you've said, and what led to that decision? I think, so the decision came, I think before my last fight, I was sort of just like in that mindset already because my body just wasn't holding up to the type of training that was needed for the type of level that I was fighting at. So it was already in my mind then. And obviously, you know, after my last loss, I fell short just a little bit. I sort of spoke to the UFC. I said, listen, I, I don't think I'm quite happy at the moment. I said, I feel like I just need a little bit of time off to get, you know, the mind and body right, whatever that means, you know, etc. I said, you know, I've always had a good relationship with Dana and Hunter and stuff like that. So I said, you know, let me think on it a little bit. That's what they they actually said. They were like, you know, we're with you, Dad, and we support you. We invest in you because we do believe you can be one of the best and the champ and, and stuff like that. He went, but, you know, have some time to think on it. Don't make any harsh or rash decisions. And I was like, okay, you know what? That's fair enough. So then I went away, thought about it, you know, still had sort of the same mindset. So then I went back to them. I was like, listen, I wouldn't mind if you would release me. You know, we're, we're friends. We've got good relationships, business and personally. You know, is that is that a possibility? They're like, yeah, no problem. Till you know, we'll send over the, the the necessary paperwork, stuff like that. So then I woke up one morning because obviously it will have been daytime there in Vegas, and you know, it had all been sent over, but it come out because it was one of an algorithms to do with the UFC that I'll that until it got caught. And I messaged him. I was like, make sure you know you tell everyone that I asked to be released. You know. So myself and that, he's like, yeah, no problem. I'll make sure Dana mentions it in an interview. And then he, he did. He was like, you know, I think Till will be back real soon. So you never hear of that. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't hear of that much like fighters leaving and, and leaving on good terms, especially with Dana, because, you know, this fight is always shitting on Dana and Dana's always like talking about the fight. So it's good for me to have left and, and know that that door's still open, which I will be back there in two years' time. I'm, I'm fully confident of that. And hopefully I'll be a new and revi- revitalised that until. But for the meantime, I've got some little bits of business to take care of and stuff like that. So, you know, that that's that's the story with it all, mate. That's very specific. You said two years. So you know that there's a two-year window that you're going to do what you want to do in that period and you're going to be back in the UFC. So you've got that vision board in your mind already. 100%. What led ultimately to this decision to break away from the UFC? You said it is it is it just physical? Is it mental, psychological? What is it that you need to fix during this time off the UFC? Physically, mentally, and financially. I haven't said okay. that yet. Yeah, so it's physical, mental, and financial. What does that mean? I can make an absolute year break ton load of money now in two years. Fighting half the fight. If, let's say I do a few striking battles because it's only half fighting in it. Let's have it right. And uh, Conor McGregor said it famously against Mayweather. It's only half a fight boxing stuff like that. And I'm not saying specifically boxing. Yeah, it could be taekwondo, karate for all that. You know, I care. Uh, so I do half a fight, which is, in my opinion, easier than UFC. I don't want to disrespect any any of these other sports. Uh, I do that. Uh, I get the, the the mind right. I get the body right. And I base back into the UFC. 
32, fresh-faced, unscathed, untouched, and, you know, hopefully get that world title. I know people doubt me, I know people say, oh, you know, this, that, but that, that's my plan and my dream. If I fall short, I can say, you know what, I fell short and I give it me all. So it is what it is. I'm still a legend of the sport, whatever, like, okay. But I don't I don't think I'll fall short if, if my plan goes to plan in the next six years. <laughs> well, you have to dream big. I mean, if you, if that's not your mindset, then you can't be in the sport, really, can you? Of course. Like, if you're not, if you're not willing to dream big and say it out loud, there's no point being in it. You know, you might as well just go and, teach jiu-jitsu or some shit or teach some psyching could become a coach I don't want that quite yet. like people have said to me you know you could open a gym and you could smash it with that and stuff like that I don't want to open a gym I want to I want to fight for what I want to fight for I'm still I'm young man I'm 30 you know got a lot many years left in this game so you said there could be some combat in the next couple of years outside of the UFC so let's kind of go through potential options here I'm assuming you're not going to fight MMA because you're only ever going to do that in the UFC correct I think so, yeah. Okay. So that leaves boxing, influencer boxing, like you said, you know, tie you know, tie tie fights. Where where do you think you can kind of make the most money? Because I'm leaning towards the influencer boxing, just given the Logan Pauls, the Jake Pauls of the world, that's where I feel like there could be some real money to be made, especially, you know, in a, in the UK. Well, I think you just mentioned Muay Thai. I think there's there's big uh there's big grass for it in, in one championship in Singapore. Uh, I think outside the UFC or competing with the UFC, the one championship is, could be the biggest organization in the world because the Singapore market, you know, it's 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 huge. And I know they have a, a lot of backing as well in terms of money. So that could be one option. I know I could I know I could easily hit, you know, seven figures with them, six, seven figures, stuff like that. So that's a big option for me. You know, a few tie fights, me bread and butter, stuff like that. Boxing, you know, legitimate boxing, that could be that could be an option. And obviously, as you just said, then the influencer boxing, like the the Logan Pauls, the KSIs, the the even like Tommy Fiori's. I don't really want to consider Tommy a proper boxer until the present. Like I feel like he is in that category of influencer boxing. So that could fit right up my street, mates. You know what I mean? Few mil, bash a few heads in, back to UFC, loads of money, happy as Larry. Dana's happy because I beat the Pauls. I'm happy because I made a lot of money and, you know, life's good. <laughs> I, I mean, ideal scenario, that sounds perfect on paper. Are, are you at all concerned that if you do anything combat in the next couple of years, and let's just say, for example, results don't go your way, do you think that might have a knock-on effect on the UFC welcoming you back in two years' time? Or do you think that'll be two separate things, different sports and what have you? I don't know. I don't think so. I think if I, what, whatever I was to do, let's say I went to one and then I done influencer, then I went to some karate combat or stuff like that, even BK, uh, the bare knuckle stuff like that. I just, you know, you're just going to, let's say I've, let's say now in the next two years, I have 10 fights, something like that. And I win eight and lose two. That, that, that's not, not really, is it? And then I go back to UFC and, you know, I, I think it's all, I think it's all, they're all viable options. So, you know, uh, I just, I just gotta get, get right now in the next few months. I gotta, I gotta make sure everything's in place. And and I'm, I, don't get me, don't get it twisted. Like I'm working behind the scenes to make sure everything is in place. So I'm in, I'm in a good place. Do you know what I mean? I'm in a good place. I really am. And uh, I've been through a lot, like in terms of even like you know knowing what I'm worth and stuff like that. So I know, I know what my worth is, and I know what my worth isn't, and I know what I should and shouldn't be doing. You know, I've been, I've been in this game a long time myself now. I'm, you know, I'm 30. I've been fighting since I was, you know, 12 years of age. You know, I've been around a lot of gyms. I've been around a lot of people, eh, a lot of wise people, stuff like that. So, I, you know, I have to know what I'm doing myself. 
I was about to say, you're, you're in a very unique position, just given how you've been able to build your star power, you know, whilst you've been on this journey in the UFC. And even though results haven't gone your way over the last couple of years, it's like you're still a fan favorite. People are still interested in watching you fight. Like, I can't imagine most of the fighters on the UFC roster getting um, a release amicably and still having that door open to welcome them back. So you're, you're quite, you're breathing rarefied air there, in my opinion. Mm, I agree. I, I think, I think I'm a fan favorite. You know, I've sold out arenas all even like the UFC London this weekend. It's a big fight with Leon Usman. Uh, but I was speaking the other day. I can't remember speaking to it. Just doesn't feel like a till a till London event. Like they were huge. They were massive when they were happening. So, you know, you got you got that. And uh, I've I've always just fought. I've never like turned down fights. Any of like I bumped up to middleweight, and at the time, I fought the two best middleweights back to back. I fought Kelvin Gastelum and Robert Whittaker straight after each other. You know, I've always fought who they put in front of me. There's never been. I've never declined a fight or stuff like that. And. Uh, so I, that's probably the reason why I'm a fan favorite. You know, I've always had good walkouts and now to talk on the mic. You know, my funny personality, I talk a lot of shit at the same time as well. Then, you know, we obviously had the cams at uh, era last year. You know, me and him are fucking, we become brothers through that. You know, and uh, a lot of people, you know, loved, loved that because it showed a different light to both of us, especially him as well. So there's, there's, it's, it's, there's been a lot of shit that has, has happened, you know what I mean? And, you know, now I've, I've moved from the UFC for a short period of time, amicably, as you just said. So things are good, man. Things aren't bad. Things are good. So perfect situation. What do you want next in terms of competition, um, combat sport, opponent, time frame? What makes sense for you? I think in the next three months, I'd like to be having a fight. You know, I'd like to just be having some sort of fight. I'm not going to lie. I wouldn't mind a little easy fight for once. <laughs> so... I wouldn't mind in the next few months a little fight here and there, you know, make make a nice little bag, you know, give the bag to the kids, make sure they're happy, you know, make sure I've got myself a nice little car, that's all I want in there. Then we see from there, you know, as I said to you, if two years down the line, I know that that door's open with Dane and Hunter, you know, God willing, everything's okay with them and I'm sure it will be. You know, that's sort of the short-term and long-term plan now. There's going to, there's listen, I can't obviously... Yeah, everything here, you know what I mean? But there's there's a few things I'm gonna announce, you know what I mean? And you're gonna be happy with it. So, you know, I keep working, you know, behind the scenes on all my little plans and stuff like that. As I said, someone I spoke to today, they're like, Oh, you're quite hot property right now, you know. I was like thinking, I shouldn't really be hot property. I lost my last fight, man. I'm gutted about that, you know what I mean? But yeah, I'm hot property leaving the UFC and a lot of people want me. I've had a lot of offers from a lot of different organizations. So as I said to you, mates, I say it again, things are not bad, things are good. Well, like I said, that's a credit to you and, and what you've built over the years, uh, that you are hot property and there are other promotions that are, are willing and interested in doing business with you. Speaking about getting the bag, let's talk about Block Asset for a second, because wow. that's that's where I feel like I've seen the entrepreneurship of you kind of flourish over the last couple of years. But before Block Asset, that wasn't your first attempt. Raw Dog was the first attempt, right? The merchandise, uh, almost having a beer line. So before we get to Block Asset, what ultimately happened with Raw Dog? Because it was so smart. It was so clever. I was actually a fan. You sent me some merchandise, which I still have. Yeah. Um, yeah. What ultimately ended up happening with the Raw Dog experiment? So it was me first and it wasn't. There was a few things before that, but yeah, I will speak about that. I, do you know what? I've always been quite a little bit of an entrepreneur. I'm always, I've always got me thinking that on and there. I don't like to shout about it in the media and that I'm like this clever guy, but you know, behind the scenes, I'm, you know, I've got quite, as I said, I haven't took much punishment, so I've still got quite a brain on me. So 
obviously I was back and forth with Mike Perry for a while and uh, I'd just come up with this little thing and at the time I had a guy who was wearing me, Brandon, uh, and obviously I had me coach, Colin, and we all come up with the idea, like, you know, we was like, Raw Dog, you know, what we'll, what we'll do is we'll release this and that and I was like, well, you know what we will do? I was like, we'll make it different from anything else. We'll make it limited edition. We'll make it where we sell it in seven days, a certain particular item. Once that's gone, that's sold out, you can't get that again. So we release a certain amount of like merchandise, as to say. So at the start, we did like a white t-shirt and a black t-shirt and a black beanie, and then we uh, and then we released like boxing gloves, MMA gloves, stuff like that. Then we released a lighter. But every time we did that, we did a promo with it. So we did promos, we did videos, we did like funny videos. Like there was one where we released a t-shirt where I was eating five guys and it drips down on me, and I've got a fat belly in it and stuff like that. Just because that was the theme back then. And to be quite honest with you, it absolutely took off into the stars, as you said. It was like hot property. Everyone was buying it. We were making money hand over fist. And it was really looking like it was going to be a potential, like, huge, huge business. And there was an industry for it as well and stuff like that. Then a brewery approached us and they wanted to make Raw Dog beer. They were going to put it in bars and clubs in Liverpool and up and down the country in England. And so we released our first batch of, like, uh, beer, as to say. Same thing happened, done really well, sold out, etc. Then one day we get a letter and it was a cease and desist letter from G Star Raw. And they actually own the trademark for Raw, which I'd said we'd set up as a business, as a company, as an, an entity. And so what happened was they told they sent us the cease and desist letter and they told us to stop trading and blah 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 and stuff like that. So when we went in to look into it a little bit more we'd noticed that they'd sued Nike previously and they'd sued H&M previously. So this was quite a thing that they, this was a knack they had for suing businesses for no. using a certain trademark to theirs. So they sent us it, we fought it, it didn't really go our way. Then they sent a letter for, like they wanted to sue us for 1.6 million. At that time, the business didn't have that. So we obviously just had to cease and desist. But it's funny you should mention, Rodo, because there's actually ways of getting it back and bringing it back. And I would love to, it's got to be brought back in the right way. So it'll probably mm -hmm. be leading up to a big fight, something like that. Or, you know, there's got to be a demand. You can't just bring it back and think that the man, the man, the demand's still late. So me as like, let's say, as an entrepreneur, businessman, now I understand that. So I've actually spoken to a few people and said, you know, the demand has to be there first before we can bring it back. But there's definitely an option to bring it back. So that was, that was me first one. And then obviously onto the bigger and better one, Block Asset. Well, I was a massive fan. I loved it. And if you do bring it back, count me on, on board as someone that will be your, a brand ambassador all day long <laughs> for Raw Dog. Um, and then you've mentioned their block asset. Um, unbelievable. Like just seeing the growth and seeing how many athletes are involved. How did this start? How did this begin? How, how much do you know about blockchain and NFTs and crypto? Who approached you? How did this all come together? So basically, uh, these normal lads working lads you know some were involved in crypto some were just like businessmen approached me uh, through a mutual friend of the business who's now one of the co-founders uh, back in 2021 and basically they approached me and they were like uh, we'd love to do an nft we can guarantee this much and stuff like that so when i went away i told them let me think about it and stuff like that uh, I'd heard about NFTs and the first thing I'd heard about was 
that LeBron James had sold like an, an NFT or a, his own NFT or something like that for like $1.7 million. And I was like, what is this NFT? So I went in and done my own little bit of research and I was like, wow, so it's a piece of art, it's digital, you know, it's like normal art, but you have it on your phone, it's verified on the blockchain and stuff like that. It was very complex. So I had to like for a few days work about like, like do me, do me research and like sort of fully understand it. And I got it to an extent, but it was very tough. Like even now I think people don't understand it, but you know, the world sort of moved on from, from NFTs. But at that point I went back to them. And I was like, listen guys, I've got a proposal. I've got an offer. I'm a guy with a lot of influence and a lot of contacts in the industry that you are trying to break into. I was like, instead of me just releasing an NFT, because I was like, bring me on. I was like a founder, bring me on as a partner and stuff like that. Let's build the business. You know, it only just been started. Then I was like, you know, I can really do things here. Let's 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 all go in as equal as equal partners and let's really, you know, let's give it a let's have a stab at it. Let's give it a shot. So they were like, yeah, they loved it, loved the pitch. I loved their pitch, stuff like that. So we sort of went in together. As soon as that happened, I was through my contact lists on Instagram, on, on in WhatsApp, stuff like that. I was DMing everyone. I was getting everyone on board. I was really like working. I, I believed in the pro the project, uh, the project. So then at the time we uh, we did we did our first like NFT collection, uh, and it was the Legend collection. So it was basically Wayne Mooney, Mike Bisping, uh, Alexander Ovechkin, uh, Jonah Lomu. Uh, and Muhammad Ali. And basically, we did a big launch in Times Square. Bisping was there. Adam Cattrall and Nick Pete were there as they were presenting it and stuff like that. And we raised $5 million. So, like, I Incredible. mean, we'd only, we'd only been going, like, what, like, four months, something like that, five months. And we'd done that. So, like, obviously... We brought a uh, Rooney on as like a, a mini, um, um, we gave him a little mini, mini little bit of equity. We gave Big Spring a little bit of equity and uh, stuff like that. We paid all the athletes out and we were able to pay the Muhammad Ali family out and the uh, Jonah Lomu family and stuff like that. And from there, it just like we started just onboarding more users, onboarding more athletes. We were releasing more NFTs. Then that was when we, we made a big approach when I sort of spoke to Hamzat and his manager and I was like, you know, there's something here. So we did a big partnership with them and that just the Smash Bros series, obviously you've seen how that did and stuff like that. And and from there it's just been an all on like roller coaster. It's actually been quite stressful at times, more than more than the good. But I swear like the the, the stuff we've we we've been doing like we've got Alex Pereira on board now, Gilbert Baines, we're we're gonna be doing an NFT drop for Masvidal in Miami, stuff like that. We released our own coin, you know, at the time when, when crypto was sort of up. Obviously it's gone down now, but we all expected to go back up. And uh, at one point we had like 125 uh, staff. Like we had people we had like designers working for us from India. You know, there was people all over Europe, like top guys in the industry of crypto, like helping us with the coin, helping us with our, our you know, our advertising, our marketing strategies, stuff like that. The the NFT side, you know, I mean, we're even like trying to talk to the UFC about, you know, onboarding with them and stuff like that and all these we just released we just announced that we're we're on the Chili's platform now, which they're they're one of the, like top ten biggest cryptos in the world, the platform and stuff like that. So I mean it all started from my little back 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 bedroom where we all met. So I mean, I'm super, super proud of it. Amazing. I love that. I love hearing stories like that. 
um, especially when fighters can figure out ways of having other revenue streams outside of the fight game, outside of actually having to like physically fight yourself. So here's the question though. So if it's going so well, like, you know, when I hear figures like $5 million being yeah. kind of, you know, raised at that New York event, do you even need to fight anymore? Can you just like focus 100% on block asset moving forward and not worry about putting yourself through physical damage and, and competing in combat sports and maybe just take two years out to look after your health and well-being, focus on block asset, and then when you're ready, come back to the UFC? Isn't that a better plan? Okay, well, I'm going to come at you with some some of the factors from my point of view now, as you've just said, and I, you know, I'll speak about them. So, number one, it's, it's never as it seems. And, I, I, you know, like, like people will say a lot of things like, oh yeah, we we made this much and we did this and, you know, we're making this much. But the thing is in business, especially a business like this, a, a startup tech company, you know, when you're speaking of figures, like let's say, you know, we are like 500 grand and 5 million, the stuff that you have that has to go back into the business to build the business to what we eventually need to get to. It's not cheap and 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 people working in a, in a crypto space are not cheap either. So yeah, it sounds tasty, $5 million, but after we've paid the athletes and paid the fees and stuff like that, you know, at that time, us as like, as partners and shareholders, we're all left with like a nice little present. Oh, there's that. Oh, we've made that. You know what I mean? And then the rest obviously goes back into the business. So, a lot of money, what we have made inside the block asset has basically just been put back into the business to obviously build build it bigger. So, I mean, no, I couldn't I couldn't just sit back now for the next two years, even though it would be nice. But there's another thing such as like, if I did sit back for two years now, I feel like skills, health and all that stuff would deteriorate more in the fight game. You can't just come back after a two-year layoff. It doesn't work like that. You know, you'd have to stay active, sharp, you know the body and the mind stuff like that so there's that and obviously you know it, it right now block asset as as much as it needs me it needs all these guys on the day-to-day to just keep building especially given the space that we're in like right now the crypto uh, the crypto market you know it's probably at its worst point it's ever it's ever been at and it's probably going to stay that way now for the next 12 months you know hopefully not uh, you know the, the the forecasting in 24 months that it'll go back up but who knows how long's a piece of string stuff like that so you know uh we're having to and the people who work for us are having to work you know even harder to just make sure that block asset stays afloat because we're in a, a very difficult time now with the, you know the world is in turmoil not a lot of people have got money stuff like that so you know it all sounds well and dandy five million dollars and 500 grand here and there but it all it, it just it's not like i grab it and go oh got this now going you know, we make decisions to make sure the business can still grow. So we put it back into the business selfless, selflessly. And I think that's what most big businesses who are successful nowadays do. And, and us as directors and founders, we're always putting in little clips of like how Netflix was built and how McDonald's and stuff like that. And we're trying to learn and, you know, cause like, cause the, the lads who, who were all co-founders with myself are all just normal lads from Liverpool. It's not like these guys came from different sides of the earth. Like, the athletes you see on the block asset roster, they're all with us. These just these normal lads from Liverpool. Block asset was built out of a little warehouse in Liverpool. So yeah, it is it is a big thing, and I haven't spoke about it this in depth uh, until now. So, so I hope people are watching it, and I hope a lot of people out there just see me not only as the fight, but now they can see me as bloody hell. Darren Till's got a little bit of a brain on him. 
I love it. Like I, I loved when you guys brought on Dosbrack. I think he is so freaking talented. He's like one of my favorite mm-hmm. digital artists out there. Him and um, Boss Logic. Him yeah, and him Boss and Boss Logic. Logic are incredible. They both are really. Um, and it's great to see the number of fighters, the number of athletes that you guys are working with. So continued success with Block Assay. I, I genuinely really mean that. And then you did mention that through this journey, it was like you and Hamza came together and it just worked. I don't know how it happened. It happened. Could you tell me about the first time you, you met him and how this relationship has just continued to get better and stronger? I'm, I'm assuming both for you personally, from your skill level perspective, but also from, from, from our perspective as media and as fans, just to see that you guys can come together and create content and create moments for us. It's just brilliant. Yeah, I mean, at the start, we were having a little bit of beef because I just fought uh, Robert Whittaker and he just like had three fights on the island as well, one after each other. And, you know, I wanted to fight him. I actually, I think I mentioned it to uh, Sean Shev. I was like, I want to fight Hamzat. And he was like, he wants to fight me and stuff like that. Uh, quite respectfully. And then I can't actually remember, but we just ended up speaking in the DMs and Instagram and it was quite fun. We were just having a little back and forth and, you know, we seemed like a cool guy. And then, when I spoke to his manager and stuff, that I said, like, you know, I said, would it be a problem for me to come over and, like, you know, train with you guys? I said, like, you know, I wouldn't mind coming over and, like, you know, sparring with Hamzat. I'd love to get the work in. And he was like, yeah, no problem at all. Till he was like, Hamzat, I'd love to have you. So I actually remember the first day I got over there. Because uh, obviously we were doing the deal block asset with Hamzat. So it was that was obviously on a on a on a professional level, you know, uh, with, with him and his manager. But then there was obviously going to be the personal level, which I was going to take myself away from the block asset professional level and have the personal level with him. So then we had sushi the first night and I was like, you know, you okay? He was like, you all right? I was like, training tomorrow? He was like, yeah. I was like, what day is Tuesday? So I know most MMA gyms spar on Tuesday. So like, we spar and yeah, I was like, I'm not in shape though, go easy. So gets in there little bit of striking and he goes straight for the takedown like oh fuck do you like so we uh, we had a solid week's worth of training it was good I loved the art the vibe the energy and you know what I think we just because as his manager said as well he doesn't really you know he's from Russia he's from like quite a different part of the world and you know I don't think he hits off for a, a lot of people we just hit it off straight away we really did we just we just ended up you know becoming quite a lot, like really close like that and then obviously uh he asked me one day, we were just, we were chilling. He was like, Till, he was like, would you mind like helping me with the camp for Burns? You know, would you come to Vegas and stuff like that? I was like, no problem, mate. I was like, you know, if you need me, I'll come. And I was like thinking for myself as well. I was like, it's, it's great for me anyway, for training and stuff like that. So uh, that's when Block Asset sort of got involved. They were like, we need to be filming all this. I was like, yeah, you actually do. I was like, the content's great. It's, it's unbelievable. And, you know, Cam's that loved it as well. He was obviously, uh, he's come on board in a big way with block assets anyway. He's actually become a little bit of a shareholder himself, which I'm happy for him to have to fight and he's going to have his own little part of a hopefully successful business. So, you know, we we filmed the Smash Bros. series. I think it got over like 20 million views on our YouTube, something ridiculous like that. I was about like, to say, like, the the thing that I've enjoyed most about the block asset business is the digital content. Like the team that you guys have built to shoot all this, you know, footage and then piece it all together and capture these moments between you and Hamza. It was great. I love it. It's, it's it flies on social. I see the engagement numbers. It's brilliant. Yeah, like I, I actually I actually said that, and I have to give big shout out to uh, Ethan, who's who, who who's had a big part of doing all that. I I I actually said that to them. I said, listen, 
I don't know what's going on, I said, but the UFC camera film crews are coming to us, BT Sport, I said, they're loving our content. And this is when we first started. And I, I was like, we're going to become a force to be reckoned with soon. I was like, people are really loving everything about us and stuff like that. I was like, so, uh, you know, let's keep at it. Let's keep it going. And then each episode got better, got the music got better, the, the visuals, like all the stuff, the storyline, it just all, and it all built up perfectly for the fight, you know, the fa- like the finale of all that. And then after it, like we, we had our own promotion side of it, like we're giving Hamza $50,000 worth of block, you know, which was a coin, is coin stuff like that, blah, blah. It just built up so nicely. And especially, as I say, from a professional perspective for me and from a personal perspective with, with Hamzat and his whole team, you know, obviously I, I still have my team back home here and stuff like that. But I built up such a relationship with them guys, as I say, professionally and personally. And for me, probably more personally. So the whole thing was just brilliant for me. And I've obviously still got that relationship now, even though we're, 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 we're apart, the world, two different worlds apart. So, uh, I mean... In my eyes, in all all levels, professional and personal, it was just a massive success for me. I made friends for life, and 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 the business. You know, I made a business for life. How good is this guy going to be? Because like he burst onto the scene during the pandemic. Like everyone is so interested to see his fights and how his career progresses. What's his ceiling, in your opinion? I think he's going to be the welterweight world champion. I really do. I, I actually. I've changed my mind on who I think is going to be his toughest fight as well. I don't, I don't think Us- I used to think Usman or Colby would be his toughest fight. I actually think Leon could be his toughest fight, uh, just because of his you know takedown defense and his striking. So I think if if I had to say his toughest fight in the welterweight division, I think it would be Leon. So we'll see how Leon gets on the the weekend. Uh, I actually think he's going to beat Usman uh, again. So you know that, and then I'd like to see Hamza maybe even you know get 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 one more fight before he fights Leon then, or potentially just fight Leon straight away. So I know they were talking about him fighting Colby. Hope that happens. I feel like Pam's like, really, will, will, will beat him. Yeah, I think it'll be a tough fight, but I think he'll beat him. And then uh, onto the title. Will you be in his corner again? Because we need that visual. We need you like on the cage or him sitting on the cage and just the two of you together, like when he's walking out and, and in, in the corner, it's, it's brilliant. I love that stuff. I really yeah. do. I think I will be. I, he, he, listen, he loves having me around. He loves my energy. He loves my vibe. Uh, you know, I, I, regardless of injuries, he, he knows I'm fucking wiped out with them, but he knows how hard I work. I'm put, I push him no matter what. You know, if he tells me, if he says to me, can we run at four in the morning? I, I'm up at four in the morning. Let's not get that twisted. So he loves me vibe, my energy, I'm, you know, and I'm on him. Like, I don't let him slack, you know, I'm, you know, fight, especially fight week, you know. I, I know everyone thinks we joke and we do a lot, but there's no messing around. So I think he loves that type of energy, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm serious with it. And I, you know, I genuinely, I just genuinely want him to win, and he feels that. So, uh, you know, I, I think he just loves having me around, whether I was in the corner or not. But even, even then, he, he just loves it. He's asked me twice, you know, on both occasions until you know, will, will you be in my corner? And I'm not going to decline the man. You know, I've got a lot of time for him. I love it. So you mentioned that obviously with the Hamza relationship, you were able to go out to Sweden and go to the All-Star Gym and, and get some work in there. So, Calbon and Liverpool, All-Stars in, in Sweden, and then you've also spent a lot of time at Tiger Muay Thai in Thailand. Over the last couple of years, how would you compare the differences in terms of the work that you're getting in in the UK, in Sweden, and in Thailand? I think the UK and Sweden, bit a bit of the same like type of mentality, hard training, you know, don't come in giving your excuses or crying, you know, just get the work done. And then 
Target has sort of got the variance, like the the variety. Like there's just a lot of bodies just to be going at it with. But you're sort of your own boss there. You can really do what you want. You know, you can come and go as you please and stuff like that, which is good and bad. I think everywhere's got its positive and negatives, but you know, that's what it is. Like, I, I've just got back from Thailand now, and I swear to God, every day in, in Tiger Muay Thai, there must have been plus 250 people on the matters. And that's good, but that's also bad, especially for a guy like me. Why? Because you get a lot of guys wanting to make a name for themselves as well. And what happens there, you get injured with that as well. It's, and then, because we're too tough, in, like for us, it's ego. We don't want someone calling us out and us saying no. So we end up taking like, a sparring session or stuff like that or a grappling arm with these guys and these guys go crazy and what did they end up doing? Hating you. And it happened to me. It's happened to me many times. So it's good and it's bad. So I'd, I'd say Tiger's very good. I do love the gym. But you've just got to be careful with who you train with. But the guys there, the, the real good guys and stuff like that. And obviously England and Sweden, you know, it's just that, that, that solid mentality. You know what I mean? One of the lads in Tiger Muay Thai that I'm a big fan of and I'm looking forward to seeing how his career goes is Brendan Lochnane. I mean, I love this guy. I, I got a chance to work with him a little bit when I was working for the PFL and one of the nicest guys in the absolute world. And what's been, what's, what's it been like working with him, getting to know him and where is his mindset as he kind of enters 2023 trying to go back to back as a, as a PFL champion? Oh, he's a complete and utter nutcase. <laughs> he is a nutcase and he knows it. Uh, it's a pleasure to be around him, to be honest. He's a, he's, a, he's a hard worker. He's humble. And you know what? I like a guy when the guy knows what he wants. He just said to me, Till, I'm all about that money. He said, you know, I fell short with the UFC. A lot of politics were involved, stuff like that. You know, I obviously stayed out of that bit with him. I, I remember actually after he, he, he didn't make him the contender, I was speaking to him and stuff like that. And I, I even said to him, I was like, lad, you know what? I was like, I would speak to Dana for you and stuff like that. And, you know, at that time, he he, I prob he probably felt like there was no silver lining. And he even said to me, he said, till since that, good things have just happened. You know, and look now, he's a millionaire. He's won the world title. And in a, in a hard organisation, you know, to fight four times in I think it's eight months, very hard thing to do. And, so uh, I'm just happy for him. He's making a lot of money now. Uh, you know, he's he's been able to buy his mum the house and stuff like that. So it's all good things, especially to a good guy. Uh, so yeah, it's a it's been a pleasure getting to know him even more than I already did, and you know, nothing but good things for the guy. And isn't it great that there's so many options out there right now in the world when it comes to combat sports, especially for the talent in the UK right now and, and the next generation coming through? You've got Bellator, you've got One, you've got UFC, you've got PFL Europe uh, that's about to get going this year. There's, it just feels like, and obviously you still have Cage Warriors as well. This just seems like there's so many options now. That's the thing. It, it's good. And it's not only the option side of things, it's, it's the money side of things. Like One Championship, PFL, even Cage Warriors and stuff like that and Bellator. They're paying big money. Like, they're paying a lot of money for some guys. Like, it's scary some of the offers I've had since I've left the UFC. It's like, wow, are these guys really paying that much? So it's like, it's not only an option now where you can fight in these organizations and get a good name for yourself. You can also get paid and, and make a good living. So, you know, the sport of MMA is picking up not only as as a viewer thing, like for viewers, but it's picking up financially as well outside of the UFC. So people are happy about that aspect as well. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Well, Darren, this has been so much fun, honestly. I really missed talking to you. It's been such a long time and you've always been good to me in my career, whether I was a journalist working for ESPN, now working for BT Sport, now doing my own thing on the side as well. So I've got a segment. I'm basically ending every conversation, every interview with every guest for something I like to call the bit for social. Right. And it's going to be different every week, depending on the guest that I'm speaking to. Um, so for you, Darren, we're going to do a little bit of word association. Very simple. I'm going to say something and I want you to tell me what comes to mind. All right. No problem. The UFC. The best. Influencer boxing. A lot of money. BKFC. Not so smart. <laughs> Jake Paul. Shit. Logan Paul. Shitter. Dylan Dennis. Fool. Mike Perry. Good guy. Love Island. I feel like dying right now. <laughs> <laughs> Block Asset. The best. Social media. Good and bad. And finally, Liverpool FC. The best. I love it. Darren, I really appreciate it. You're the man. I'm going to continue to follow your career in terms Thank of what happens much. next. Wishing you nothing but the best of health and good luck being an entrepreneur and best of luck with your combat sports career, which is far from over. Keep me yes. posted on everything that happens and I will speak to you soon, my friend. Take care. Thank you very much. See you later. Thanks for listening to this episode of Smack Talk with Sandu. It really means a lot to me. And hey, listen, if you enjoy this episode, please go and give it a follow on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your shows and have a great week.